Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by visiting imsaradio.com or search for IMSA radio wherever they get their podcasts. The WeatherTech Sports Car Championship on IMSA Radio. The Ferris wheel in position and already the multicoloured lights are very visible indeed from our fifth floor studio here at Radio Show Limited and IMSA Radio. The uh, evening is very pleasant as we said. Joe Bradley and Nick Damon down in the pit lane. Let's uh, check in for a little bit of atmosphere, first of all, with Nick Damon. Which end of the pit are you going to be starting at, Nick? I am in pit in, the pit in end. I, it's interesting you say atmosphere, because I, I kind of walked around the back, and Joe and I checked, and I kind of walked through and onto the pit lane, because there's a gap just between Corvette and uh, BMW and MDH. And you go, oh, and it was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful, with the huge stand illuminated, the, the uh, which pulls some colour onto that patch of grass, uh, with the Daytona logo on it in front of the uh, the pit lane, and of course the colour, the very very colourful uh, pit lane we have here, with the not just with the cars themselves, of course they all have different LED distinguishing lights, and you look the other way, and it's all the brake lights and everything. Just lost you there, Nick. Sorry about that. Not sure uh, what went on there. We'll get back to Nick in a moment. Joe Bradley is uh, at the other end of the pit lane. Evening, Joseph. Evening, John. Evening, everybody. Um, And I've got to just concur with what Nick said. There's something very special about this place when you come out in the night. It's, you walk out, it's a bit like a football stadium sort of atmosphere under the floodlights. Uh, But high-speed football, if you like. Um, It's... It's just something very special, and as the cars already begin to peel out, the rest of this circuit, unlike other 24-hour races, it doesn't really get dark, does it, with the floodlights around the, the speedway. It's, um, it's, it's very special, and when we see those cars underneath you, John, on the trial for the first time in the evening, that's even more special. High-speed football uh, with 31 and a half uh, playing on either side. We have uh, 30 and a half rather playing on either side. We have 61 cars coming out. I suspect uh, we'll only see uh, 30, uh, 60 cars coming out here. I'm I reliably informed that we won't see the windward car, Jeremy. Uh, that's exactly right, John. We won't see the windward car. That is toast, that car. Um, and the team is bringing another car overnight from Texas. Which is where their base is. Which is where their base is. So they, they, they should be here tomorrow running that car. Uh, the other car that won't be out there tonight is the number 42 for NTE Sport. Uh, that car was heavily damaged over, uh, over at the bus stop. And the yep. guy drove it back to the pits, much to the team's chagrin, as we suggested. Yeah. Um, so that car won't be out tonight. Uh, was they, uh, right rear suspension damage uh, on that car? Whole right, whole right side. Basically. Oh, really? Yeah. And there's some bits that, uh, that, that are having to be trucked down from Kentucky, which is where Lamborghini spares are. For, for they, they can't get the new bits for the, up, for the Evo kit, but they can get some bits that will get the car on the track. But they okay. won't be here till tomorrow. So that car won't be out tonight. Arguably, we'll be out tomorrow even. Okay. Um, and then the other car that's had a problem, uh, and we, we, in the last session, I don't think we... The Andretti Autosport LMP3 car? Yes. I think they had a fuel leak. 
Ah. Uh, so that car might not be out tonight, but that is a problem. It's also a problem for the 42 car because their driver's qualifying at night time. Uh, and number 36 car, Dakota Dickerson, who's a real talent, but he hasn't driven one of these cars at night time. No. So that's a problem in terms of the night lap qualifications, John. George Kurtz off the circuit in the crowd strike Orica in the 04. He's back on again. Let's go back to Nick because I think he was going to give us a little update on BMW, Nick. Yeah, we have a late arrival at the Daytona night practice ball, and that is the number 25. This car has yet to appear in the pit lane. Um, the 24 was late and hasn't actually left the pit lane yet. These are called the LMGH BMW GTP cars. Uh, 3-4 is having, uh, I think it's having some of those brand new super softs or soft slicks put on, but that hasn't left yet, and the 25 has yet to appear in the pit lane, so I'm going to go and uh, CSI myself down to the paddock at the back. Jeremy, more news on that uh, RLL BMW uh, M Hybrid V8. Yeah, that was that was a car that didn't do many laps in the, lot, in the afternoon session. Did nine laps early on and was parked for the rest of the session. Went that back, was a, back to, back the, to garage. the garage. It was in a yeah. state of undress, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it's still in a, in a state of undress. They work on it. They were bleeding the brakes when I was over there just, what, half an hour or so ago. And uh, they, the, the problem, it was an electrical problem that kept him off the track in that last session. And it was one of those kind of weird things. It was, it was actually the fire suppression system that wasn't activated which I think is a bit that, bizarre that but was the 25 24 I think uh, right so tw tw 24 last time and 25 this sorry Nick I'll just finish I've got the same problem in 25 yeah, sorry it, it was the 24 that had the problems last last session yes the 25 had the problems the first session today and now isn't on the isn't on the track now and he's and he's back in the garage I'm just going right to have a, I'm going to have a look at it yeah I'm, back, right. I'm wandering that way yeah, um, a couple of people have tweeted that, that it's a tale of war, Jeremy, with, with you know, both cars clearly suffering from that awful term, electrical gremlin. Indeed. But, but I, so, I, so I asked the question, asked the question uh, is it niggles or is it problems? Ah. He said, let's call them niggles. I said, OK, great, let's go with that. New car niggles. So, yeah. so <laughs> we I, have a snagging list. Yeah. It's like when you buy a new house. Yeah, so it's not, not something that's des des desperately worrying at this stage, uh, but it was enough to keep them off the track. Mm. Uh, thank you to Jake Parrott, among others, who have tweeted at IMSA Radio. Nine or ten folks around the back of the 25 BMW in the garage area, deep in conversation. Uh, there's a problem in the electrical system of the BMW and people are looking into it quite clearly. <laughs> they're not talking about what, where they're going for dinner tonight. No, no. A bit like Marowengo and Daniel Yugadela were earlier. Um, just one, on, while we're uh, discussing the attrition rate, the car number 55, the Proton Competition LMP2 car that had a crash at the uh, Le Mans chicane in the last session, that looked in a, a state of... Uh, disrepair was being repaired but uh, those guys I mean Proton Competition are one of the best sports car teams in the world yep. uh, I would think if anyone's going to get that car out by at some point in the next hour and 40 minutes it's them but they have a heck of a job on their hands to be able to do so. The key thing about this session Jeremy is because of that inclement weather on Saturday evening last at the Raw none of the GTP teams got to try uh, the low temperature compound Michelin slick tyre so this is the first time they've been able to dip into that allocation and it was an allocation that stretches back from the raw through to Saturday and Sunday and, and the race, it's the LT 
for low Let's temperature. Let's call them hard and soft. Let's make it easy on ourselves. Well, we? LT oh, and no. HT, low temperature <laughs> and high temperature. There are slightly different uh, characteristics of of the the the, the tyres from Michelin. Um, and we said this before, but I think it bears um, talking about again the the high temperature tyre quote-unquote standard tyre you can use that anytime you want in the 24 hours but that's not the case for the low temperature tyre the slightly softer tyre that's exactly right John and uh, the, the, the only time they've been able to, they're going to be able to run that car before the race is tonight in the night practice the only time during the race that they can run those uh, uh, more durable tyres is um, is sorry, less durable tyres, is from 7pm to 8am on race day. Uh, and, so you cannot run those uh, softer tyres at any other time other than that. You don't have to run them, but that's the only time you can run and them. And neither of those tyres are uh, infinite resources. There's a, there's a maximum amount yes. for each of them. Correct. Right, OK. Um, uh, there's not enough actually I don't think there's enough to go through the right through the race and do single stints so right. you're going to have to sink double stint yeah. a number of those sets of tyres because yeah. I think they're down 10 sets on last year aren't yeah they, they are but they're, they're going to be they're probably going to be making 10 less pit stops from what I can gather during a race oh, really? than last year yes because of those the, those larger fuel tanks and the assistance in range that the hybrid gives them sort of yeah right yeah. okay yeah Right. Uh, okay. So, yeah, so a lot less pit stops. I, I, I was speaking, a couple of people told me maybe in a range of 30 to 35 pit stops as opposed to 40 to 45 wow. during the case last year, depending on all sorts of other factors as well. But certainly a lot fewer pit stops uh, and, as you say, a lot less tyres. So, uh, the, but the yes, they are going to have to be double stinting. And there doesn't seem to be too much of a concern about that, other than getting those the cold tyres up to temperature initially. So the 25 has now joined the party. They were a little bit late. Uh, the BMW LMDH. Um, interestingly, they, it seemed to me that, that it was, was a very recalcitrant GTP car because um, what actually happened was they were ready to go. They'd sold, well, they, they, they had um, happily eliminated enough electrical problems to get going and they couldn't get the rear deck seated properly. So it's like, oh, what else can go wrong? And there were three of them kind of tapping it left and right. Just get it in. You know, but like, you know when you just can't get that last bit of the IKEA furniture to fit in? Exactly what they're trying to do. Knock it a bit left. Undo one of those damn Allen key bolts. Knock it another bit right. And that's and eventually got the rear, the rear deck to seat properly. So no idea what was wrong there. But the car now is sitting on the pit lane. I've walked around to it. And I assume, as it has some of those uh, uh, low temperature tyres, I think we're fixed to it. We join the fray pretty how, soon. How, how do you know? Is there a difference? Is there a different marking on the sidewall as there used to be on the, what we used to call the hybrid tyres in WEC, Nick? They used to have a different mark well, on the sidewall. I'm, I'm making this assumption, which is, it is an assumption, that if it's a brand new tyre they're sticking on it now, it's the, it's the low temperature one. Worth, yeah. find, worth trying to find out that if we possibly can. Uh, yeah. And please, Mr Michelin. I'll have a look. In future. In future. Could you possibly think about maybe colour-coding these tyres? That would be super helpful. Yeah. One could have the Michelin man holding up a sun and yeah. the other one holding up a moon. <laughs> You'd also need to be quite yeah. close, though, that's get, true. Yeah. Get your coat, my car. <laughs> Tell you what, there's a really good lap time from Alexander Sims. 136.270 uh, at, uh, at night time. OK, yeah, most of this track is illuminated, but still, that's a really good lap time. I think, you know, I think, well, or I'm time. led to believe that 36 is, uh, 1 minute 36 is, 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 is going to be uh, the race pace 
potentially. And, and at that rate, uh, I believe the cars should be able to do around about 55 minutes on a, on a, uh, on a stint. I'm not even going to say on a tank nowadays. I can't say that anymore effectively. Um, and, uh, but uh, because it, the, the car's not necessarily out of fuel when it comes it in for a pit stop. Yeah. Because it's used up its amount of allocation of energy and uh, not necessarily just fuel. So it, it's, it's all rather complicated. One of the, Ian Watt, who's the race engineer on number 31 team of the Action Express team, what he, he describes it as you, forget about the fuel. So he said, call it bananas, he said. It's like, it's like every lap around here, you're going to eat three bananas, is really what it was. Because right. uh, that could be fuel and, and, and energy, not just, that's, that's yes. his point. <laughs> I mean, every lap now, is around we, about three bananas. We measure energy with profiteroles, actually. Um, <laughs> there there is an index of profiteroles. Uh, yeah. Nick Damon knows all about that. Uh, Joe Bradley with uh, another legend in the pit lane, Jan Magnussen. Yeah, Jan, great to see you here. You're in the 53 MDK Motorsports Porsche. Is this a one-race deal for you? Uh, no, this will be for the endurance races, for the, ah, for the big ones. Yes, right. right. Okay, that's great stuff. I know. I know that you were supposed to be in the car with Kevin, but that didn't come off. No, unfortunately not. Uh, Kevin had to have a small surgery on his wrist to be ready for the F1 season. So, uh, yeah, the timing wasn't uh, optimal, but that's how it was. Yeah, probably. Probably best is the F1 off season. So tell me a little bit about so far. You've you've already been to the Raw. You've done a lot of practice. You've been qualifying. What's it like to drive this GT car? Oh, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, obviously, we're not as fast as we want to be, but uh, it's a new team, new drivers, new car. So uh, everybody's learning a lot every time we go out. So uh, and we're moving forward, slightly forward every time, which is the main thing. I mean, there's, there's a there's talk of the the Porsche being slightly down on the straights, which is very important here at Daytona. Yeah, it's not slightly down. Uh, right, <laughs> it's a lot down, is it? Yes, but uh, that's what we got, so that's what we'll work with. But uh, yeah, but it's a long race; a lot can happen. Uh, we'll just make them. We'll make the most of it. Yeah, I mean, does that? Do you know the reason why you guys are down on power? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know the reason, but it's the same for every Porsche. So ta tactically, in your head, you've just got to keep going round and round. Is that what the strategy is? Just go round and round, stay out of trouble. Yeah, we need to do our own race, run to our strategy, and uh, you know, minimise the amount of mistakes, and you know, keep out of trouble. Thank you, Jan. And just to remind everybody that this car has moved into the Pro GTD class, GTD Pro now, uh, because of. Uh, uh, I forget. I forget what Mark Varme said. Uh, the reasons were, but the driver likes something to do with drive time and driver uh, situation, isn't it? Okay, Jan, I'll leave you to it. Uh, very. It's getting very busy down here in the pits, John. As I was talking to Jan, the, the team are very busy, and I think it's because they've got to cycle all of their drivers through night practice, haven't they? Of course, especially the ones without any experience. Yeah, uh, as we were speaking earlier on, the Thomas Loud back from Porsche. Uh, Faf Motorsport deciding to do minimal running. They're all down on top speed. Uh, however, not a criticism, very clear to make it, uh, not a criticism of IMSA and their BOP process. It's a new car. They understand that data is still being collected. Thomas Laubenbach uh, was hopeful when he was talking to us, the head of Porsche Motorsports, that there might yet be a change before the, the race uh, this weekend, Jeremy. 
Yeah, just a little bit more. I, I spoke to some of the other uh, other drivers of, of other manufacturers, and they seem to think that they're, they're particularly between turn three and four, i.e. out of the uh, International Horseshoe towards the kink and through the oh. kink. That's where they seem to be, the Porsches don't seem to be particularly quick. Once they get onto, onto the straightaway, they, as far as the other guys that I've spoken to, there doesn't seem to be that much of a difference, but that was significantly different coming off that one corner particularly. That's interesting. Well, yeah, so that's is, what is, I thought. Is that something to do with the, the, the power band, the rev range? Thomas Loudenbach was, was hopeful that we're going to get a restrictor change, and that hasn't right, happened. Right. To, 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 let, to open up the engine, it is a bigger engine yeah. than the, the, the previous version of that car. It's a brand new car. So there is the only right. shared parts between the 991.2 GT3 and the 992 car are the wheels. Nothing else is the same. It is a complete new car, new bodywork, new undertray, new engine out of 4.2, the basis of which, as Thomas Lambach told us, is the RSR engine. So this is a, a whole new concept of car. Yes, it's got a bigger engine, but they've squeezed down the uh, restrictors, the air restrictors. So it sounds to me as though that torque curve or the it's a normally aspirated engine so it hasn't got the assistance of a forced induction in any way that's really interesting yes. to hear that it's that part that the other drivers are, are noticing most yeah. it was Very more than one guy told me that so that, really? it's just interesting yeah we yeah we, we, no, we there's so many un unanswered questions yes. that are going into this race on the weekend. That's what makes it so much fun at the beginning of your new season. But, uh, you know, you know that Porsche isn't going to build an inferior car because everybody who's driven it said, you know, they love it. But, but what's, inter what's also interesting is that the, the final uh, specifications for the cars, are as, as de decreed by the balance of performance, were only issued about 10 days before the race. Right. So most of the Porsche teams that had done any testing with their cars had done that before that came out. Ah. So, uh, so, so may not have tested with correct. the specification of air restrictor. Correct. For, for those of you who aren't technical, like, like me, um, think of an air, an air restrictor as how the engine breathes. So think of um, you having a race with Usain Bolt over 100 metres, but you can breathe through your mouth and through your nose, and he can only breathe through two tiny little straws. The amount of oxygen that he can get in, obviously, is going to affect his performance. Well, a, a, a racing car engine is exactly the same. The more air that you can get in there, the more fuel you can burn, the more power you can produce. The less air you get in, you're leaning things off, and the engine doesn't produce the same amount of power. Exactly. Air plus fuel equals horsepower. Correct. If you have less of either, you've got less power. Correct. And... and it's no use saying, oh, well, you've got less air, just throw more fuel at it. Then you're changing the fuel-air mixture. That becomes suboptimal, and it, if it runs too rich, it's just as bad. Yeah. If too rich is too much fuel in the fuel-air mi mixture, uh, too, if it's running lean, then there's too little in the fuel-air mixture, and either of those can be um, difficult for the engine and, indeed, could be disastrous for the yeah, engine yeah. And, and, and cause mechanical issues, Peter. Oh, absolutely. yeah, uh, absolutely. And that was really odd. Oh, problem, the number 47, Chetelar Ferrari, into... International horseshoe, uh, that is, Peter, I think. Uh, oh, no, that's no, the West End. Western horseshoe, yes. Yeah. That's up, up the top end of the uh, infield. Uh, coming out of NASCAR, one and two. 
uh, on the infield. Roberto so, Lacorte. Uh, Roberto Lacorte, who's the owner of the car. Uh, Roberto, properly passionate guy with his motor racing. And He's uh, off on driver's uh, right. This could yeah, bring out a red flag. I think so. Absolutely. Uh, That's a shame. That is a, that is a real shame. Sorry, left-hand side of drivers. Uh, yes, thank you, Jeremy. I see what you tried to. I think it's just a missed breaking oops, point oops, there. Oops, oops. He got onto the dirty stuff, then on the grass, Ouch. and he's still trying to break and turn. Now the cars do have ABS, um, but that can't. Well, that was really odd. I wonder if he had a struck throttle there, because that car. He's just not getting any turning there. So whether he's trying to break and turn and the back end still pushing, that looked a bit odd, that. He wasn't coming in at unabated speed. Here's the red flag. Uh, we've not had a WeatherTech Sports Car Championship session today, and this is the third free practice yeah. that has uh, been without interruption. Last weekend at the Raw, we ran almost faultlessly. We had a couple of interruptions, one for weather on the Saturday night, but... Really, nothing like this. One hour, 25 minutes to go. And this uh, hopefully will not be a long pickup. Everybody else will come back into the pit lane. The reason you can still hear cars is that they are still charging back from Speedway Turn 4 into the pit lane to our left. At IMSA Radio, if you'd like to get in touch with us. Matt Campbell, what a lap just before the red flag came out there, 35.8, four tenths of a second quicker than the two Cadillacs of Alex Lind and Alexander Sims. So Matt Campbell, uh, the Porsche Porsche superstar, um, really fitting in nicely into that Porsche 963. So now in 24 minutes on the clock so hopefully the, the uh, red flag won't be too long so everyone can get some good night stints in and see how things are going and of course as the air temperature gets cooler as well uh, mm. engines perform differently speaking to some of the drivers in cars with a normally aspirated engine think the turbo cars could be even stronger in the cool of the night as well uh, whilst we have this red flag and uh, the black pinstripes and black stripes down the side of the number seven Porsche comes into the pit lane. Let's pick up some drivers. Nick Damon, well, not picking them up. Let's pick up some driver <laughs> interviews. You don't, don't have to raise them above your head. Uh, I th I that wouldn't work. I th well, uh, he's, uh, even, much, the, even the whippity ones, it wouldn't work. Do you think bench press 60 kilos? You can bench press 60 kilos, can't you? You know how old I am, don't you? Oh, you, and you've got a bad shoulder. Yeah, in you know, it's all, it's, anyway, yes, I, well, I'm with the, uh, the number 18 car, the year of motorsport machine with... Uh, Ollie Jarvis, Ollie, quick question, and you might wonder why I'm asking this. How much do you weigh? <laughs> um, 72 kilos. No chance whatsoever. Uh, okay, so um, I don't mean we're listening. John said um, we're going to pick up some drivers because of the red flag, uh, and I pointed I couldn't pick you up because you're too heavy, but, you know. Um, so how did, this, how did this drive come about, Ollie? Uh, through Ryan. Uh, I'm stood next to him here. Um, he reached out, said, am I available? Um, had a little look at the team, saw the, you know, the speed they've had over the last couple of years here, and thought, yeah, definitely, you know, let's try and go win another Rolex. I mean, it's, it obviously, it's great to be there, Tony. But did you kind of think coming into this year you'd be with one of the GTT, GTP teams? No, I, I knew early, uh, committed early to United Autosport in Europe, um, so that meant I couldn't, do, can't do two of the American races. So uh, I wasn't even sure if I'd be here in Daytona. So this was quite a, a late deal. 
Um, so just happy to be here, be back in America and, and at this amazing race. And how do you find this new version, this new slowed-down version of the Orica P2? <laughs> is that a trick question? Uh, no, it's not. It's a genuine question. I mean, obviously, it's not as good, but how? I, mean, I suppose we've got, we've got opinions from to, oh, my God, it's a disaster. Where are you? Uh, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, I understand why, but it, it's probably gone a little bit too far, if I'm honest. Um, I think, you know, we're not much quicker than a P3 car for 70 80% of the straight. I think it's going to make it tough for some of the amateur drivers in the P2 car because, you know, whereas before you'd, you'd catch and pass in a straight, now it's just at the very end. So it's, it's going to mean late on the brakes, dive bombing. Um, so for me personally, I think, you know, they've opened up the gap too much. Like I said, I fully understand it. They don't want a, a P2 giving any of these new LMDH cars any uh, stress. But, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's gone a little bit too far. So... Is this now the slowest version of the P2? Because obviously we had we had some fiddling last. We had, we had some overall fiddling two years ago. We lost some power from both IMSA and from WEC. Then WEC last year took more power off and said one aero package. And now we've got... So, yeah, you've driven it. Is, is, is this the slowest one? I think the difference is in WEC you don't have LMP3. So, you know, they've slowed us down, but we're still quicker than the GTs. Whereas here, I think, with the slow down version we have here, it, it creates issues with the LMP3. Um, it's a real shame because it's an incredible car. Um, I mean, the Orica, which it now is pretty much, the, or the whole field is an Orica. They did an amazing job. And, um, you know, it's a shame year on year to see them reduce the aero, to take away power. Um, I drove this car in full spec last year just at a test to, to do a reference. And, I mean, the smile on my face when, when, you, when you see what this car can really do. Still a great car, but, it, you know, they've certainly, you know, they're making life difficult for it. Um, you know, I'd love to see it run flat out. And I think in the future, you know, when LMDH really stretch their legs, when we really see what they're capable of, then, you know, LMB2 can sort of increase the power and, and revs and, and we'll get back to, to somewhere sensible. Is this, is this more of a specific problem because of how this track, this is obviously a unique layout for the track. I mean, it's long range, low downforce, high speed, the P3s can wind themselves up. Will it be the same tripping over themselves, for example, at Sebring or, you know, on the more ordinary tracks like Watkins Glen, do you think? I actually think it'll be a bigger problem um, because here, like I say, we're quicker than the last third of the straight. Um, but you think how long this straight is. Then when you get to somewhere like Sebring, it, you know, you, we might not even catch them by turn 17. So, um, you know, I hope that's not the case. I, like I said, I'm not doing the full year, but I hope for the guys doing the full year that that's not the case. But I, I think it's... There's going to be incidents between P and P2 and P3 for sure because it's, you know, you've now got to do them on the brakes. You've got to lunge them. You've got to stick it up the inside, whereas before you'd probably have already got that move done midway down the straight. Now, I hear they are looking at, there's a good chance IMSA will look at reviewing these performance uh, differences. This is a quick question. Do, do you, as you know, a senior driver, or does, does uh, Ryan, as a, as a team manager, do you actually get asked about any of this by the organising committees? Or do they just, so they just go off and do their own thing? Do they actually ask teams and drivers? Uh, we've, we've certainly not been in that dialogue, if they have. Um, you know, more, we'd love to sit down with them and offer an opinion, especially coming from a situation where, you know, driven DPI, driven P2, I've also got a, a kind of objective view because I'm not in the full season. But no, uh, I haven't in, been involved in any of them conversations. I think there might be discussions after the race, um, you know, and then they'll reevaluate. But I think, you know, first of all, they need the data from this race. They need to see where everybody ends up. And like I say, it, when we see what the LMDHs can really do when they're let loose, I, 
I hope they give the P2 back a little bit of power. Oh, yeah, it's very fair. Thanks, mate. Uh, enjoy the rest of the night practice. Ollie Jarvis with Nick Dearman. Yes, very fair indeed. And Nick's absolutely right. Uh, we have been hearing uh, from the IMSA technical department that the data will be crunched after uh, this race. Uh, the, the GTPs are an unknown quantity. There have been some tests. But before last weekend, Peter, uh, they'd, they'd run with P2 cars as reference, but they'd never run with any of the traffic on the on the track. This place is unique in the IMSA calendar, but we will get performance data here. It would surprise me not at all if the LMP2s get some, not all, but some of the 50 horsepower they've been trimmed before we get to, to Sebring. Because it's, it's all about the stratification of classes. GTP to P2, but also P2 to P3. And, and if it is so difficult for the P2 cars and the P th with the P3s, then that's got to be considered as well. And the one thing you have to consider is the GTPs are full of full factory drivers, the best of the best, the, the fighter pilot kind of yeah. ideas. There are, as we've just spoken to one, Ollie Jarvis, he is in that level. He's the reigning IMSA DPI champion, don't forget. He's in the LMP2, but it's a pro-am class. You have a mixture of experience of drivers, same with the LMP3. So you have to take that into account as well on that you've got a broader bandwidth of pace to, to deal with. We're at base camp here. We're at the beginning of a golden era of sports car racing. We've, we've said it a lot over the last few weeks. It's so true, though, but we are at the base camp. We have a, just a tiny bit of patience. Easy for us to say up here when uh, everybody wants to win this big race. Yeah. But, uh, but, 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 it's, um, it's at the beginning of a very, very uh, special period, and, but it will, it will take a bit of time to bed in. Chetelar has made it back to the pit lane, and that means with all of the... Uh, all of the safety vehicles out of the way. We can go back to green with just on uh, an hour and 17 minutes to go. Joe Bradley is down in the pit lane. Yeah, I've got the, uh, just out of the number 80, the Yale Porsche is PJ Hyatt, who we've just been chatting here, PJ, about, you know, the, the disruption to these sessions must affect you as a driver, especially an AM driver. I mean that with the greatest of respect. Yeah, correct. I, I, I wish I had, you know, twice as much track time as I've, I've had. It's, it's amazing when you come here and you're thinking, well, I've got all the time in the world to practice. We've got these hour and a half test sessions multiple times a day. But when you think about four drivers and the red flags and everything else going on, it, you, you really don't actually have that much time on track. So just trying to maximize, maximize it as best as we can. I mean, your driver lineup, you know, you've got Harry Tinknell, Seb Prio, and Gunnar Jeanette. I mean, you know, those hot shots, they just get straight on it. But, yeah, the AM drivers, you know, the ones I've worked with, take time to build up and build up, and the speed comes. These guys don't need any practice. It's just me. I don't know why they keep putting these guys in the car. I just need their time. That's all. Now, I've got, PJ, I've got to talk to you about the, the livery on the car. I'm old enough to remember the Swap Shop 935, and it's your livery is a homage to that car which you own and we're going to see that car out on saturday morning in the heritage parade aren't we that's that's correct we're uh, hoping to do a side-by-side -side with the with the new 992 porsche race car and the old uh, 83 935 it should be spectacular um couldn't be more thrilled to be the next steward of that that historical race car with all the history of the Jeanette family to be co-driving with gunner and Knowing his father Kevin so well, it's um, it's an absolute pleasure. Was the uh, was the the nine three five a Kevin Jeanette rest restoration? Was it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, 
between uh, Kevin Jeanette and the Dieter and uh, Alwyn from Andile. I mean, that's that was a hand-built labor of love by those guys. I mean, they're renowned for being very, very difficult to drive the 935. That huge engine hanging right out over the uh, over the rear axle, the spool diff. I mean, by comparison to the GTD car that you're driving, it's another world. It's a different world, I would imagine. Well, I think you know, they're they're these cars are like computers with wheels attached to them compared to those old guys. So yeah, it's a, it is a totally different driving experience. Yeah, what do you prefer? Hard one, I know. It's like choosing your favorite child. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's true. I, I love them both for totally different reasons. The old stuff, you get to let them all hang out and enjoy that, and. and um, the new ones, they're just so precise and they demand a lot of your attention, but they're unbelievably fast. So, As Tim as Tim Pendergast told you, he's, he's John Paul Jr.'s story in the 935. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've all heard that yeah. one. It's a great story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, PJ. Great to talk to you. Thank you. So good at Jeanette running that car, oh, a week ago, Thursday, um, round the paddock when they were doing some the original Swap Shop 935 when they were doing some of the promotional photographs. Great looking and sounding machine. And great for PJ to have replicated. It looks pretty good, actually. The liveries are pretty good. And they've, they've, they've done a, a little bit of a, of a cheat to make even the back end of that 992 look a bit more 935-y, which is uh, it's not an easy thing to do. There was, of course, a track only... Um, a very limited edition 935 reboot based on the uh, I think it was the GT3R uh, two years G- ago GT2RS GT2RS yeah, that's right with different bodywork and Jeff Swart has driven it at uh, its own the, Jeff Swart has driven it at Pikes Peak very successfully for the last couple of years owned yeah. by um, Bob Ingram of the England Ingram collection. Have you been to the Ingram collection? Uh, no, no. I, I've, I, I spoke to Cam yesterday, uh, Bob's son, who's a very nice guy. But um, yeah, I'll need to need to make a make a visit uh, as as well. But uh, no, they've done it. I, I love the fact that it's got the Andile stickers on as well, which of course is traces oh, its well, roots back to Porsche. Here, yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah Porsche, Porsche Motorsport North America, which is uh, very cool. It's I, I'm always a fan of a, a throwback uh, throwback livery as well, and GTP. Uh, to revive that, we could, we, we've certainly got plenty to draw upon. So, Jeremy, how are the times going uh, for the guys out there? there? There is a little bit of light colours in there, and we've got a new fastest time. I oh, know we haven't because they haven't gone back out again. So, uh, Matt Campbell put that 35-18 uh, quite early on, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with, the, with the red flags a little while ago now. Uh, Nick Tandy is on a pretty good lap in the other Porsche. Number six car is currently fourth fastest at 136.4 against Maddie Campbell's 35.8. He's just got personal best in sector one. It's probably there's a whole bunch of traffic down uh, the uh, Le Mans chicane, so it should be uh, around about there any moment. See what the what the sector time is uh, as to uh, you know, the likelihood of being able to put to it together an improvement. No, he's quite a bit slower through that second sector, so I don't think this will be an improvement, but. He was certainly on a good lap there with Nick Tandy in number six car. In some of the classes, uh, Colton Herter is out on the track now in number 25 BMW. The number 24 car has done an, an, an out and in lap. So at least both BMWs have been out on the track uh, this evening. 
the other cars we haven't seen tonight, the number 33 Sean Creech Motorsports LMP3 car we have not seen. Number 36 Andretti Autosport Ligier also we have not seen. That's the car that had the fuel leak, we believe, in the afternoon session. And they are trying to get that car ready to get out and do some qualification laps, particularly for Dakota Dickerson. Uh, I think the other drivers in that car are all qualified with their sort of past experience. Jared Andretti, uh, Gabby Chavez and Rasmus Lint. But to Dakota uh, might have a problem with this. So they're trying to get that car ready. Uh, the 42 car we've already talked about, the NTE Sport, that won't be, we won't be seeing that. Number 55 car that uh, Peter Mackay was talking about, that's crashed earlier as well. Uh, as Ditto, number 57. And the number 85 JDC Motorsports LMP3 car also uh, was had an off. Well, they had a problem earlier on too. We haven't yeah, seen they that had car a, this year. They had a very strange second off. They won one more... You know, it looked yeah. more like a lock-up, and then there was another one where it was sort of crashed at a very strange, or spun at a very strange place. The 33 Sean Creech Motorsport car blew an engine near the end of the uh, the previous session. Did they? Uh, yeah, right. big, big. Um, uh, I'm no mechanic, but it, it yeah, not <laughs> white smoke pouring out the, oh, out the okay. exhaust. Oh, right. So uh, they might well just be working on getting that, okay. uh, getting that repaired and and what have you. So um, uh, quite. A I'd certainly like to find out maybe about the GDC. Car, number 85 car. Like yeah, that, it was just bizarre, was yeah. what we kind of word, we summarised it with uh, at the time. Yeah, and, and it wasn't a puncture. No. I, I no, thought it was, it was uh, a puncture because uh, of the run on at turn one and maybe a little lock up, but it wasn't. It, so, not sure about that. So, there's something for the pit lane team to have a crack at. JDC, the number 85, the bright yellow machine. My other car is a Porsche. A little bit of a joke there because <laughs> they are waiting for. I hope night. it will be a Porsche at well, some stage. Um, well, it may be what John Church has in his garage. Uh, it may be what John Church has in his uh, <laughs> garage back at, back at home. Um, but they're waiting for a Porsche 963. And as we heard from Thomas Laudenbach, we were able to ask that question. They are still, Thomas Laudenbach, the head of Porsche Motorsport, they are still targeting the end of April uh, for the delivery of the customer cars. Joe Bradley has been down to the JDC Miller area of the pit lane and found what, Joe? Uh, the Mary Celeste-esque <laughs> uh, pit box, really. Uh, there's one chap on the on the desk and he's just monitoring data from something, or he's pouring over data from earlier. He's, he's very intrigued as to what's going on in the trap. There's nobody here, and there wasn't in this afternoon session either. So I don't know how many laps it turned in this afternoon's practice session. Um, I'm pretty sure this was an empty pit box then. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, no, Joe, they, they, they went out in the last session. That's the, They had the problems in the last session. That's when Till had the the issue and, uh, and had that spin and had to be recovered. Right. Now then, I might be able to get to the bottom of this. Um, what number was the car? It was 85, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. We'll leave um, you with that. Well, hang on. I might be able right. to ask Tristan Vaughan here. Tristan, are you, are, you able, are you able to tell us what's going on with the car? Uh, yeah, the, um, there was a, the engine blew up at the last session. So I think the team just cranked the engine on. They managed to change it fairly quickly. So, uh, uh, yeah, we're waiting to see how quickly it can get to pit lane. But I think it, uh, it 
it kind of just got fixed. Yeah. All oh, right. So it's coming. It's coming down now. Yeah. The goal is to. I think the goal is to be be out before the end of the session. Hopefully, it happens. Yeah. Ah, oh, great stuff. Great news. Thank you for that. So there, that shed great light on it. Yeah, they've been. Uh, at, so, so Sean Creech done a motor, and I was just popping along there to see if I can get any confirmation on exactly that. And there, the JDC Miller. Uh, so two LMP3 class motors going. That's. That's quite rare because they're very robust setups. Those cars. So I wonder if that was a, an engine, an engine going, then a little nip up on the back wheels for Till, then that spun him onto the infield, and that's why it couldn't be flat towed uh, back. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick Dearman is watching some investigations. He's describing yeah, to me yeah, well, the, num the, the, the num number six uh, Pence, uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport. Yeah. Machine. I was wandering out, saw that it was parked in the Nick Tandy on board. Uh, this, of course, is GTP. It's the red one. Um, and the, uh, there was a lot of torch action. Annoyingly, it was actually real maglite torch. It's not an iPhone torch. However, something has been fixed with the tie wrap, so we, we're up to at least one of the four. But um, no real um, pace about any sort of repairs. I think there's a kind of combination of uh, analysis of what they've seen little things they can do to fix it and then a bit of a, a think about it. I think this is, this is one of those niggling things that they are going to just try and sort out, get moving again. And they actually do now replace the first half of the rear deck bodywork. And then, of course, the whole of the rear wing assembly comes on the second uh, assembly that's put on with, uh, with two big T-bar screws. And that goes on. That one a lot easier than the uh, BMW did, but it was no garage earlier. And they're going to get out and get running again. But, you know, it's indicative, isn't it, the, the number of these small problems the GTPs are having. Well, I haven't seen much from Cadillac so far. Um, it, it perhaps, it's fine during practice, but you can't sit staring at your car for two minutes during the race. Okay, Nick, thank you. Uh, uh, by the way, at Cadillac, if... Uh, you do have problems now. Uh, it's hashtag blame RC Racing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, it's always better to be just keeping ticking out those uh, ticking out those laps. Looking at the the lap times difference compared to the heat of the afternoon, uh, where the um, the GTP teams were using the the regular high temperature tire, i.e. high weather temperature. Uh, it's fairly similar. We saw a lot of 135.5s throughout the field uh, in this afternoon sessions. The track temperature is a bit lower now. Of course, we're into darkness hours at 5 to 8 local time. 35.8 is the best, and then everyone else is 36.1, 36.2, 36.4. So it's still the one thing that is consistent that is throughout every session we've had, the GTPs have by far and away been the tightest class, so evenly matched with four manufacturers in the game. Brilliant, brilliant stuff to follow all of that. Uh, and GTD, Jeremy, is a bit more of a bit more of a muddle. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we've, it, certainly Mercedes are looking strong. And again, this evening, it is the number 79 WeatherTech car that's fastest of the GTDs. That's also in the GTD Pro Class. Uh, Mauro Engel is driving that car at, uh, at the moment. And so we'll look to see who set the best time in that car. I think it was, yeah. Which car? Just refresh this. It was 
Daniel Yukadela, who'd sent the fastest time in that car uh, a while ago. How long ago? Yeah, fairly early on in the session. After only five laps, that Yukadela set that time in number 79 car. Second fastest of the GTD cars is the non-pro entry. Once again, the number 12 car, uh, the Vassar Sullivan Lexus. It was uh, it's Parker Thompson who has set that time and is driving that car at the moment. He's completed uh, 17 laps. He did it on lap five. So he's doing uh, a fairly extended stint. Of course, Parker, one of the 46 drivers, I believe, who are rookies here in this race, have driven out of the 234 uh, drivers who are here. There's 46 who haven't raced here before. He's one of them, so he's they're trying to get Parker as much time as they can. Parker Thompson was last year's Porsche Carrera Cup North America champion, uh, former star in the open wheel ranks as well. So he's the young Canadian there from Red Deer, Alberta. He's uh, going to be making a name for himself, much better known over the next few years, John. Uh, and did have a deal to race a Porsche in place, um, but had to fight really hard uh, on and, and make a... Uh, representation uh, for his driver ranking because he was he was re-ranked over the winter and that meant he couldn't take up the drive that he originally wanted managed to get the appeal actually uh, was successful and so but by that time unfortunately the drive had evaporated uh, so then had to work really hard to get another drive and is now a newly minted Lexus drivers for the uh, longer races, at least for the time being. We had him on Midweek Motorsport, first show of the year, actually, when we were in Dubai. Uh, and, uh, well, you've known Parker for a long time. He was really very sanguine and pragmatic yeah. about it, but it was a, it's an interesting story. And just again, if you haven't heard that, go on to RidgeLamont.com. All the uh, Midway Motorsport archive is there. You can download it for free. The big interview with Parker Thompson. It's the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people often don't know about uh, that is really, really interesting, particularly on an off-season uh, when he thought he was all sorted and all taken out of his control. Uh, Joe Bradley, we, we heard from you about one engine issue in the prototype classes. Uh, Sean Creech Motorsport had an engine issue. Lots of uh, lots of white smoke at the end of that last session. What's the score? Yeah, engine for them as well. Now remember, remember this car. This is the car that is on the LMP3 class pole for Sean Creech Motorsport, and they are working absolutely flat out right now in the in the paddock. It's Shea Adam who's been prowling there and finding out this information. They are desperate to get this car out there because. Of course, quite frankly, Lance Wilsey needs the seat time. He needs the laps. So they are working flat out to try and get the car out in this session. So I'm still finding it quite bizarre, John. I'm not sure I've seen this before. LMP3 engines, two. So we've lost two LMP3 engines in one session. That's quite bizarre. Yeah, it is. Very bizarre, Joe Bradley. And uh, thanks for that report. No sign of that car yet then. But uh, there's still an hour, just under an hour to go in this night practice session. Also in the LMP3 category, we've only got five of the nine cars uh, out on track, actually six. The number 17 car has done maybe a dozen laps, but uh, non-recently and non-representative of the car's pace. But we've just had a new fastest lap in the category. That's Glenn Van Berlo, Kai's brother, uh, who's driving number 74 car. That's the uh, 74 
uh, Ranch Resort Riley Motorsports Ligier. That's a car that Kai drove last year to the class win here. Uh, and uh, Glenn has just set the fastest time. 144.732 for Glenn Van Berlo in car number 74. So that moves ahead of uh, Matt Bell in the number 13 AWA Duquesne. Did you, did you mention there, Kai, uh, being supported driver status from Porsche? Um, that was just announced right. this week. Kai von Burlock, yeah, who uh, went out to the Young Driver Shootout as well in Europe uh, as well. And uh, we wait to see where uh, Kai will rock up. I think he's, well, he's, he's doing this for the whole full season with, with uh, Kelly Moss, with Riley, yeah. most part, alongside uh, Alan Metney. Yeah, isn't it? That's just, I think that yeah, was just, yeah, yeah. just recently converted. I think, Correct. I'm not sure whether that was going to be a, a full season program, but it is now. Correct. Uh, both of those cars full season. Both, so. uh, and both of those drivers out of the uh, Porsche Carrera Cup North right. America, which gets underway at Sebring. They're not here. Um, test day at Sebring in the week before the WEC Prologue. And that weekend we'll also have the next two rounds of the VP Racing fuel sports car championship and then of course we're into the mobile one 12 hours of sebring in the week of the uh, 17th of march which is st patrick's day yeah good point yeah and and the, that that uh, championship porsche career cup going north america going from strength to strength another one or two teams i believe joining over the including McElroy racing yes. uh, andy McElroy from uh, new zealand hunters hunter McElroy's father who himself was a, a very accomplished racer back in the day and andy's been running cars in New Zealand and more particularly Australia uh, for several years. Uh, haven't they piled up with more speed? Um, oh, have they? Okay. Uh, in Carolina. In Austin, Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. Speed. Okay. No, well, I'm, I'm wrong then. They've, they've, they've piled up with somebody in, up, in, uh, up in the Carolinas. Okay. Um, I, shall, I, I shall reread that, but I, I know that I'm, was I'm where sure they were putting announced. Yes, so I hope I'm not uh, out of um, school on that one, but I believe that's going to be the case. It, point on that on the Porsche Carrera Cup North America I totally agree it's been a fantastic addition to uh, the portfolio in IMSA and, and also for, for, for Porsche Motorsport but the, the the great thing is now you know Patrick Long who had so much success in this series and in, in global sports car racing in general such a great career but he's very keen to, to bring on the new uh, American sports car drivers. Yes, it's with Porsche because that's who he works with. But the the um, uh, Porsche Career Cup North America, there's also the Porsche sele- um, Junior Selected Driver for North America. Kai Van Berlo, for example, a kind of product of that championship, uh, if you right. like. Parker Thompson. Parker yeah. Thompson. We've been talking about them all just yeah. this session. I think that proves the concept that it's a yeah. great addition to the paddock. Uh, and you know what? Uh, uh, Jeremy and I will put our hands up and say we kind of wrinkled our noses when we heard it was going to a full pro top class because we weren't sure that there were the full pro drivers to support that top class and we were wrong. Yeah. We were absolutely wrong and I don't mind saying that because we were wrong and, and it was it, it, it was wrong in, in such a good way for the championship. Yes. <laughs> um, that In fact, they couldn't get enough cars um, and uh, Dr. Daniel Ambruster managed to twist the the arm of Porsche in the first year, two years ago, to get over 20 cars. Troy Bundy, who is now in that position, uh, has managed to get a, another allocation last year and now moving into this year. We had the biggest Carrera Cup grid ever at Sebring 
last year over 40 cars. Yes, unbelievable. Not all in one class, albeit, but all the cars were the same. Yeah. It was the drivers. All 992s. All 992s. Yeah. And I think it'll be extended. We're just yeah. waiting for uh, one or two of the uh, the calendar, uh, the schedule dates to be confirmed yeah. for that. But we know we will be starting at uh, Sebring yeah. in uh, in March. Uh, let's go down to the pit lane. Uh, we've got a refugee from the WEC here, uh, <laughs> earning earning a crust on a weekend off. Uh, with Mike Conway, who's uh, driving for the number 14 Vasta Sullivan uh, Lexus. Um, we're hearing a lot about the new cars, the, the, you know, the, the Ferrari, the Lamborghini, and also the struggles of the Porsche. How is, how is the Lexus uh, suiting this, this, this set of uh, regulations, this set of BOP? Uh, well, it's kind of all new to me, so I'm just uh, just learning the car and uh, and obviously the other cars out there. But um, yeah, there's definitely some differences in pace. Um, hard to know if it's genuine or not in some cases. But uh, yeah, for me, just getting laps out there is the most important thing. Um, getting all the driver changes done that we can do. And obviously the night running, first bit of night running for me so far here. As we didn't run at the Roar when it was raining, so... Uh, but yeah, all good. Enjoying driving the car, and um, my teammates Ben and Jack they're doing a great job and uh, get me out to speed. What's, what sort of attracted you to GT3 driving? Obviously, we've, you know, you've been in uh, you know, the uh, LMDH and LMH and LMP1 and the very fast downforcey things. Yeah, yeah. Some corners are more of a challenge now than uh, than they were before, but it's still fun to drive. The car balance is pretty good. We've had, I think, a decent balance since we rolled out here, so that's been that's been nice. And then just kind of learning. How I need to treat the tyres over the long stints, uh, saving fuel, you know, all those things really, this is going to really pay off in the race for the long runs. And are you keeping one eye on your potential rivals uh, in the uh, GTP fields? So, you know, just thinking, you know, reporting back to your Toyota teammates? Um, it, it's funny, when, when you're driving those cars, you're fully just watching those cars, but when, when you're in the GT, like, as you can see, we don't even look at the... The, the GTP stuff so yeah to be honest just focused on what, what we're doing here but I'm sure Brendan's keeping an eye on what's, what's going on and do you think at the end of the weekend you'll have got a, a, yeah, more respect for the, uh, the people you're, you're blasting past when you're in the LMPs now you've been overtaken all weekend no I, I did anyway of course you know there's some amazing drivers in this field and um, yeah it's definitely harder you've got to watch your mirrors a lot more uh, there's a lot more going on so um, yeah no full respect to all the guys anyway uh, regardless yeah to go back to your, your, your main job, the Toyota, I mean, is it, how, how different will the car that rolls out in, uh, in Sebring be from the car which finishes the season? Um, there's a few differences, but, yeah, they're never going to be night and day, really. So, um, yeah, visually, you're, you'll see a few things. But, um, yeah, I mean, where we started, we were kind of stuck in some regulations, and the regulations changed all the way through our design. So we're just trying to bring it back into a, a good working window, really. You obviously had the advantage. You won the first cars out there. You, you know, I suppose you've really got much further down the reliability route. I mean, for example, the, the issues that Peugeot uh, had with racing in competition. Did you recognise those? And do you think actually reliability may be the strong point for Toyota this year? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, yes. Yeah, not you can't just count the hypercar years. Even you can really go as back as far as the the P1 days in terms of when we were running the hybrid and and all those systems we've been developing over the years and years. So yeah, I mean. I'd say we have a bit of a head start, but it, it is a whole new package in itself. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, we're still learning. Obviously, all the endurance tests we do, there's always these little things that crop up. So, 
all of us sports car fans are ridiculously excited about the multiple manufacturers coming along. Are you excited as a driver who just sees it more difficult to win the races? No, I'm excited. I mean, 17 cars for Le Mans, I can't wait. So I know it's going to be hard. I mean, in the end, that's what you want. It will make it sweeter when, when you, if we can cross the line first. So, uh, yeah, let's see. We're still a long ways away from that race, but Sebring is not too far away. So I'm looking forward to that. Great stuff. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Nick Dermot with Mike Conway. Can't wait to see that new Toyota. It's uh, Sebring. That will be the Friday afternoon race, finishing uh, a little bit earlier as it did last year than the first year to give us a little bit of a, a earlier night. We'll have flag-to-flag coverage of that and indeed of every uh, WEC session as we have done in the past. The only broadcaster to offer you that. And it's all free as well, of course. We'll have that over on RS1 to complement our IMSA radio coverage of the Mobile One 12 hours of Sebring. Jeremy Shaw has been keeping a weather eye on the times, some quicker times coming in, and one or two cars that we haven't seen uh, for a wee while going out as well, Jeremy. What's the story? Yeah, I believe the number 85 JDC Miller Motorsports uh, Duquesne, having had the engine problem in the afternoon session, we believe. I think that's just on an installation app. It's shown as a, uh, a Sector 2 time in any case, but it's back in the pit lane now is it can we see that yellow car on the pit oh, lane yes it's in pieces yeah cool okay well, good. The, the, least, sorry that's not the right description the, the rear body work is off and the mechanics are looking through it maybe okay. just but it's in the pit lane it's in the pit lane yes. which is better than the garage oh yeah uh, so, some faster times we talked about uh in uh, lmp3 kai van berlo going to the top of the charts well since then and that was number 74 car uh, since then we've had uh, 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 another couple of improvements and particularly from now, the number 13 car, Matt Bell, for AWA to to the top in LMP3, a 1 minute 43.053. That's a full three quarters of a second quicker than the best time from uh, the Ligier of, of uh, Glenn Van Berlo. In LMP2, also some new fastest times there. Uh, it was uh, Alex Quinn, actually, I believe it was, in the car number 52. The uh, uh, PR1 Matheson Motorsports uh, or- Orica chassis, he has gone to the top of the charts with a 1 minute 38.555. So that uh, eclipses the number 04 car, which uh, had been on the top. That was uh, Ben Hanley with a time that was set much earlier in the session. Uh, so in number oh. 52 car leads in LMP2. Also in GTD, a new fastest time. Quickest of all the cars, quicker even than the pros. That would wow. be the Inception Racing McLaren 720S GT3. That's the car that won the Michelin Endurance Championship last season. Now to the top in GTD, 146.433. A massive 0. .003 <laughs> faster than the pro Mercedes of Daniel Junkadela. Uh, and just improving the third place in LMP3, Jeremy, the MRS GT number 43, Guillaume de Oliveira, with a 144.833. That car's fastest lap yeah. of this session. Yeah, watch those guys. Yes. Uh, you, it, it's not a underestimate MRS at GT. Your peril. Yeah, I think so. And um, the Carsten Molitor. Uh, and the team there from MRS GT Racing, German-based team, uh, 
uh, MRS, uh, Molitor Racing Systems it is now. It's originally Molitor Racing Stuttgart. They're based uh, only about an hour or so away from Weissach. Um But uh, that team has uh, four silver-ranked drivers. James French stepping in at the last minute after Alex Vogel stepped out of the car with... Uh, you know, certainly hasn't raced at this sort of level before. But the other two drivers, uh, Guillermo de Oliveira, uh, who has set that third fastest time, uh, and and uh, and alongside him also is um, mental block, which happens frequently. Uh, Alvarez, isn't it? Yeah, Sebastian Alvarez yeah. from Mexico City and Daniel Frost. Uh, so, yeah, sorry, the, no, the uh, James French is a different car. Uh, but uh, D- Daniel Frost from Singapore, Indy Lights driver. That's uh, those four drivers. So it's James French, Guillaume de Oliveira, Sebastian Alvarez and Daniel Frost. All talented youngsters uh, and all with, with pretty good experience of, of these sorts of cars. Alvarez finished third in last year's uh, ELMS series in, in LMP3. And um, de Oliveira finished uh, second in the class I think as well last year so you know both well experienced drivers at this level in this sort of car. Sebastian Alvarez struggled a little bit in the in the row um, was off track a little bit and pointing in the wrong direction. I I gather that wasn't him actually it was they had the wrong Ah, selected I I was going to say which I was said you've been talking about but I did say I was quite surprised Um, and so, right, that, that's that really... clears that one up. That, that clears that up, then. <laughs> See, thank you. Well done. Uh, eventually, Teamwork. we square the... Teamwork, cir- right? Uh, we yeah, square yeah, the yeah. circle eventually. At uh, IMSA Radio, if you're here at the truck, uh, at the track or uh, further afield, good to have your company. And uh, it's Johnny Palmer uh, and Bruce Jones who will be joining us uh, over the weekend as well as the team that you've already heard. They'll be bringing you some of the race coverage as well. Let's get down to Shea Adam in the pit lane for a little bit of an update. Shea, where have you wandered down to now? Oh, I'm just in between two LMP3 teams that we want to talk to, uh, the first of which is Andretti Autosport. But Dakota Dickerson, who's now completed his night laps, still has his helmet on because he's not done driving. They're continuing to do some driver change practice, so I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer for Dakota. But I'm waiting for British Matt Bell, the fastest guy in LMP3 so far tonight. He's just doing a quick debrief with the screw chief, and then he'll be available for us. Thank you very much, Shea Adam down there in the pit lane. Jeremy Shaw, we uh, have a guest and an honoured guest. And I can say honoured guest because he was honoured last night here in the studio. He was indeed. Mark Raffoff, uh, who's been around this sport just uh, a few years. He was part of the original team at IMSA <laughs> way, way back with the Bishops, way, way back in the day. you got a lot of stories to tell. You told a few of them last night at the uh, Road Racing Drivers Club banquet on the infield there, Mark. And congratulations on getting the, the RDC's top award, the Phil Hill Award. Board, named basically, yeah, let's t- to cut a long story short, services to the sport over an extended, extended period of time. Thank you both, and uh, hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, it was quite a surprise and uh, very enjoyable personally. And as I said last evening, uh, kind of the result of being surrounded by really good people for a long time, which I guess enough good things rubbed off maybe, and I might have gotten to know what I was doing, but 
uh, yeah, it was very special and uh, very honored because the list of people who've received this award is quite impressive. Thought for a while maybe I shouldn't be there, but obviously everybody thought I should. So, yeah, it was very good. I loved it. And uh, I think uh, to sit in that room with all the people that were there, I think 15 of the previous award winners were at the, the dinner last night. So Some pretty illustrious was, names in there, yeah, aren't they? I think I was 21 or 19 or somewhere around there. So, yeah, it was very good. It was great. And I'm... Um, like I said, I'm honored and still kind of not believing it all, but, yeah, it was, it was great. It's a different sport these days, Mark, isn't it? Or, or the organization is very, very different uh, from when you and, and, uh, and John and Peggy Bishop started this up, up in Connecticut, you know, all those years ago. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, we do the same thing, but the way we do it today with the technologies and the things we could do, I was trying to explain to somebody earlier today how we used to time and score this race by hand with pencils and paper and and do hourly reports uh and not have live timing and yeah lap charts all that stuff and, uh, you know they look at you like uh, like what planet are you from and i go no we and that's the way it was and uh so when you go through that and you see where we are today with that and the cars and the types of cars it's really rewarding to see how how it's grown um but, you know, some of that old stuff worked pretty good because yes. we did it. Yeah. Uh, that was a great way to learn every function of what it took to run something like this. Yeah. Is there any job you have not done in over the years? I didn't do a whole lot in the public relations department. We did, uh, we did used to sit around in Dick Vanderfeen's office, Roger Bailey and I, and we'd make stuff up on Monday that wasn't true, and we'd send it to Chris Economaki and Bill Ausler, and they'd publish it. So we thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> So that was about the extent of my PR career. But we did it on purpose, so it was all right. But you could do that stuff because everything was written. You know, there's yeah. no computers, no yeah, social yeah. meetings. So you counted on certain key journalists. Yeah. And some of them had, you know, favoritism things, and we'd kind of correct that by giving them, like, fake news. So fake news is not a new thing. We were kind of doing that in motorsports 30, 40 years ago. So. But that's probably the least. But, I, you know, I did registration at the time in scoring. Obviously, technical stuff, operations on the ground, operations up here, not much. And as I said last night, they actually came up with a title for me here that I hadn't had before, and I was appreciative of that because I've had every other one at least once, some of them more than once. How many people work at IMSA nowadays? Ooh, full-time? Yeah. I think there's about 40 of us, including every function that we do that work in the office across the street. Uh, uh, do you know how many people are involved in, the, in running a race? Oh, yeah, well over 100. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Most, how, of, most of our people that really allow us to do what we do are part-time people. Right. They are employees, but they only work at the races. They have regular jobs. They do it because they love it. Yeah. Uh, they're great people, but without them, we couldn't do this. So hats off to them, and hats off to every volunteer, marshal, safety person, because without those people, none of this would happen. And how many were there when you, when uh, the bishops started the company? Yeah, it's about eight of us. <laughs> <laughs> but it got done, Mark. That's right. Be because it had to. It had to, yeah. It was simpler, but the principles of what was done then are the same today. No difference. Yeah, I was interested in what you said there, that, that the, the technology has changed things. In some ways, you'd have expected to make that easier. It sometimes doesn't feel like that, though, does it? Uh, yeah, I, even with my own staff, like in race control, sometimes there's more information than you need to have to actually run the race correctly and fairly. 
and you can get confused by it because you got way more and you kind of go why are we it's cool to look at while it's happening as you guys do but you some of it you don't need to actually run the race to the rules so yeah there's that obviously on the technical side with the cars you need a lot more these days than in the past because the cars are much more complicated but you know the operational part of it it's really the same well i really obviously you know that we work uh, both jeremy and i work across a number of different series what i've really enjoyed with him sit down through the years uh, and funny enough as i said it as, a, as we were leaving the, the raw at the weekend i said to, to paul waters that as, as i was leaving I, I really enjoy how you guys officiate a race because yes there's rules and yes there's regulations but there is an element in there that sometimes we don't often see in motorsport which is an element of common sense and fairness and an equity and therefore we had a couple of situations at the weekend where was it strictly speaking in the rules to add 57 seconds onto that session to get a, a full qualifying session probably not because you can't write a rule book for every situation mark and and do you enjoy having the the latitude to be able to do that with IMSA and, and with the teams in the paddock? Uh, yes, because you hit the word words right on the head with common sense. I mean, our jobs are to uh, conduct the event safely, first, first thing. Obviously. And secondly, yeah. fairly. And as the person in the past, when we did this, we had no TVs. We depended solely on spotters on the corner balls here or the corner workers mm -hmm. for all of the information well so, they were judges of fact yeah fact, they it, were part of the whole team correct written yep. report if they saw it lane that was it yeah. yeah so yes the technology in one sense helps in a lot of ways but the fact that for me at least have learned it having to use common sense with the power went out right now uh, there's a couple of us left who could still run the whole deal with none of this stuff and that's kind of a lost art the thing for me is to get the, the newer generations of people to understand that, that you have to learn how to do it without all this stuff. Yeah. And if you can do it that way, this yeah. stuff becomes the things that make the show better. Well, that's why I still do the lap charts. It, it doesn't happen often these days that the scoring goes out, but that's why I still do that. I mean, there's another, another example of that common sense just this evening, isn't there, with several cars unable to take part in this session, and therefore, by the letter of the rule, the drivers not qualified for the nighttime sessions. That's something else that is. Yeah, I mean that's kind of a, a a new thing. I'm I'm of the era where you know what? If you're good enough to go out at Sebring, where you need lights to make it back to the pits and not have night practice, have at it. If you put it in the fence and turn two, that's your problem. You're supposed to be at the level to be able to do this and do it well, and. To me, nowadays, because of TV, the amount of light here, it's not really that big of a deal in reality. There's a rule there. I know where it came from. I think it came originally to try and get people to participate at Le Mans at night when yeah. they didn't want to. It has nothing to do with the ability of the guy, in my opinion, to drive the mm -hmm. car in the darkness or semi-darkness like we have. Uh, you're a man in great demand um, <laughs> with your phone ringing there Mark can I ask you one question certainly is there anything in motor racing um, either a race that you've not been to an event that you've not been to or something that you've not done that you would like uh, what's, what I'm saying is what is Mark Raffoff's bucket list what, what left is there, there to do in, in this sport well I've been fortunate to 
not only be involved with cars but also motorcycles through AMA Pro. I've been to the TT at Isle of Man. I've done a lot oh, of that. Envy. And and so to me, I think the, a, a world rally event or a raid of significance, Parry Dakar is something that I haven't mm. really had a first-hand experience of and would kind of like to do that for that purpose. They're not on the road. <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing the rally raid they're themselves. The rally, it's one the going on right now out there now, the bus yeah. stop. So, <laughs> but, you know, but that's, uh, that's kind of one thing I haven't done. I've done, you know, drag racing. I've done all that mm-hmm. stuff, F1. I've been to a lot of stuff. Been fortunate to do that, let me say and that. And no hankering to compete? No, uh, no, no hankering to compete yourself down through. You know, the years? I went to very early on. We all had the opportunity because we were in Connecticut to go to Skip Barber schools yep. up the road, and so I did that. And you know, yeah, it was kind of fun, but I kind of enjoyed and kind of relished the challenge of trying to make a career, not being a race car driver, but being in racing. In racing, and I yes. think I achieved that, and I am quite proud of that, and I've enjoyed that because in reality. As I said again last night, uh, the people you get to work with over five decades are just phenomenal. And if you're just a driver, you're going to have a shorter term, Mm -hmm. and you're just not going to be able to interact. But I think every, I said last night, I think every person that's won this award before me is somebody I've dealt with as a driver or business or in some way. And every one of them are people that, you know, have obviously helped me, but I've always tried to learn from everybody. And I think that's what's helped me get to where I am today and still be here, you know, after 50 years or 48 years or whatever. So, you know, that's, that's kind of cool, I think. But I think there's very few of us in this form of the sport who have made their entire career kind of in one game in racing and not been a driver or a team owner or a mechanic or an engineer or whatever. In all of what you've said, Mark, I think one of the most important things you said is that you're passing on some of that five decades of knowledge to the next generation and and that is really important too often we lose experience from our sport yeah and i'm pleased to hear that 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 you know you're you and the rest of the team are, are, are trying to bring on that next generation well you know most of our people next door here and you know there's a lot of younger people and they they have a passion and i'm not ever saying that what we did 30 years ago is the right thing to do today no. but understanding what the consequences of some of those decisions are to me reinforces their skills in common sense it could be black and white but the real world is not black and white correct <laughs> totally agree with you mark raffles thank very much for you're being most with welcome us. have you a know, good you're weekend welcome in here at any time <laughs> have a good weekend and you too and congratulations on being the recipient of the rodc phil hill award a great honor thoroughly deserved sir thank you sir thank you thank you jeremy uh, Jeremy's been keeping an eye on what's been going on outside. We'll go to uh, down to some of the uh, the times in just a little while. Uh, Shea Adam is down in the pit lane. Where have uh, you been standing, Shea? I've been standing here having a lovely conversation with Matt Bell about different Thai foods because uh, that seems to be where we always run into each other. But Matt, right now, you don't need any extra help to be spicy. P1 for the LMP3 category. Do you think the time will stick because the big guns get in the cars? Well, I hope so. Um, yeah, we're having a, a pretty good event so far. I feel like we've been really competitive. Uh, we've learned a lot of lessons with our first season in WeatherTech last uh, last year. The team have got a, a great job. You know, this is a, this is a massively there's been a massive evolution with this uh, organisation, and yeah, we look like a, a serious team who deserve to be here in WeatherTech. So I'm very much enjoying being back here with AWA, um, and and we've had a good car so far. So yeah. Um, 
it's a competitive class. People are posting good lap times, but hopefully that's enough for P1 this session. And I think we're in. Uh, I think we're in the mix for the race. This track and WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca are a little bit different because the LMP3 car is not designed to get in on this side of the car. If you'll allow me that, you have to run around the car. Does that complicate things when you're practicing driver changes, when you're trying to get in the mood, and more importantly, when you have to jump off the wall and then not straight into the car? Uh, the running around the car is, we're kind of getting a bit used to that because you go different ways uh, around it, but the complication here is the tire guys coming around and coming around to the front, so got to be careful you don't get taken out by your own guy. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, it's not too bad. We got the sister car for the race, for the endurance races, including this weekend. And I'm sorry to say you're going to have to put your helmet back on because Wayne Boyd did just better your lap time. So we are going to have to fix that, set that right. But how much extra drive is it to have the sister car, somebody else for you to beat? No, it, it really helps. You know, it's double the information, double the data. Um, you know, that car's got a great crew in it. We've got a great crew in ours. So, you know, going into the race, we're working as hard as possible to take it to the existing champions, the guys like Riley, you know, Andretti have been there for a long time. Sean Creech have had good results. So, yeah, we're, we're learning as much as we can across two cars. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to taking them. They're both full season. So, uh, yeah, we're hope, looking forward to taking them through the year. It's a great point you've just made about champions and hunting for them because there's a bit of a vacuum now with core autosport, the defending champions gone. Is this your opportunity to rise up and seize it? We are certainly going for it, that's for sure. You know, it was sad to see Cole go. We were looking forward to taking the fight to them, to be honest. It wasn't a sort of, oh, that's one car off the grid. It was a, it was a bit of a, a sad day to see those guys leave the grid. Uh, but great to see Colin Braun in, in the car that he's in. And, uh, you know, best wishes to, to John Bennett in second retirement from racing. We'll see if that sticks. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the, the, the defending champions are gone. We want the number one on the side of our car, and we're going to do everything we can to get it. Good luck this week. Thanks very much. Down at Pit Inn, it's been uh, business as usual. For it. it's been rare so far. The cars come and go, with the exception actually of the uh, the 51 machine, which is the P2 car of uh, perhaps you should have that, the Rick Ware Racing. They've been sitting on the pit lane for some time now, and I think they've actually changed or repaired the front anti-roll bar during that period. They've they fished it out. There's four of them working in the, that narrow nose cone of the Oracle, and they fished out the what looks like the front anti-roll bar uh, structure and uh, and replaced it, uh, all without going back behind the wall. So it's uh, it's an interesting situation. Let's see if I can just uh, grab a word with Austin Sindrick, who's uh, one of the drivers. Austin, a lot of work going on there on the uh, pit lane. Is it, is it was it a roll bar problem? No, we lost a third element damper, so uh, obviously pretty important, especially going around the banking here. So I guess uh, one thing that's uh, good to get knocked out before the race, I, I guess, will be mechanical failures. So obviously you've got some uh, some good memories of this place from last year. Um, more corners this time, but, uh, but obviously a class win to add to the overall win at the 500 must be a, a major aim. Yeah, certainly a lot of great memories coming back to Daytona, and uh, certainly intend on trying to make some 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 more uh, this this coming weekend it's uh, been a lot of fun getting together with uh, Pietro Devil and Eric everybody Rick Ware racing um, it's been a been a fun lineup uh, it's been a fun crew to work with and uh, long long race ahead but yeah this uh, place is pretty special to me great stuff thank you Austin thank you uh, some changes at the top of the timing screens, and Jeremy Shaw has all the details. The number 10 car of Philip Albuquerque, the uh, Wayne Taylor Racing Acura ARX06, up into second position, a 135.974 for the Portuguese driver. Just uh, 
less than two tenths of a second away from the time set very early on by Maddie Campbell in the Porsche 963 number seven. Also in LMP3, the number 85 car and the number 36 that both had problems during the afternoon session. They're both out on track now, turning good laps. In fact, Rasmus Lind has just got up to second position in LMP3. So Matt Bell, with whom we spoke just a few moments ago, was fastest uh, in the class at that stage, down to third place now. It's his teammate uh, that was uh, th- that went faster, Wayne Boyd, uh, and now Rasmus Lind up to second position for the Andretti Autosport car number 36. So it's now Duquesne and Lucier separated by about a half a tenth of a second, i.e. less than nothing. Change of the rear deck and wing on the WTR Andretti Cunningham and Alta car. That is the number 10. And Catherine Legg into the pit lane. Unscheduled stop, Shea Adam. They've just done a brake change, John. They've practiced that, and it actually smells rather bad, I have to say. I'm standing by the Acura waiting for the refueling to finish, but the car about to go back out as soon as this is done did not see a driver change, so I believe it's still catch. We'll have to bed in some new brakes, so don't look for any particularly quick times from the 66 Acura. You don't want to glaze the new pads. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Shit. And Rasmus Linz going quicker again in the Andretti Autosport. So that was a car that we didn't see much of earlier on. They've turned some meaningful laps. The two cars that had engine problems, as Jeremy was saying, have uh, both turned some meaningful laps I believe as that car, well. I believe that car was a, was a fuel leak. Perhaps. It was, yes. Yeah. yes. Query so fuel leak. Yeah, but yeah, exactly, rather than engine failure. Yeah. It was a 33 and the 85 that had the engine failures. It was a, a fuel leak for number 36. Yeah. So uh, that Andretti Autosport team done a really good job as Andy Rasmus Lind and to the locks top. up into turn one, having just gone fastest, yes. Yeah, didn't lift off across the line. No. So <laughs> taking 15 miles an hour quicker into turn one. So uh, Mario Farnbacher brought the gradient car in and Catherine Legg has taken it out with the new brakes on that car, Peter? <laughs> Scott McLaughlin's getting his uh, getting his elbows out and getting stuck in here, getting used to some multi-class sports car racing. He has done sports car racing before. He's, of course, done endurance racing as part of the Australian Supercars Championship, which has an element of that. Three times he's been a champion there. Um, but LMP2 is something that's completely new for the uh, the Penske driver uh, in IndyCar. He's just set his personal best of the session, 138 Point nine up there with drivers who have a lot more experience in that type of car and we were discussing over uh, over dinner um, of course as Scott is very well thought of in the uh, Team Penske organisation getting a bit of prototype experience oh it's one of the actually nearly has a, a little brush with the number 202 Cadillac but it manages to avoid it and it comes into pit lane uh, for a quick checkup, but remains on board. He said he felt like Donkey Kong driving the car. He's he's, a, he's built like an Indy car driver. There's no power steering in those cars, and he says it's a tight fit in the Orica, apparently. Mm. And, the, and that's coming from an Indy, you know, someone who's used to a single-seater racing car. He says I feel like I'm driving along like I'm Donkey Kong. Indy cars now, though, almost are, have a cockpit, don't they? With uh, yes, the, uh-huh. the aero screen yeah. on them. The only thing that they haven't got is a roof, but they are enclosed mm. now, albeit in a sort of jet fighter style um, so but they're used to having a windscreen they don't have windscreen wipers um, but you know it, it is not 
dissimilar. If you look at a, an IndyCar chassis and look at an LMP2 chassis, an LMP2 chassis just has a, a bigger cockpit. It's a bit like an IndyCar for a guy's hour size, isn't it, to get in and out of? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, no, I, I absolutely take, take, take the point. It's... Uh, and I think the thing about the IndyCar is the physicality that they always talk about is the lack of uh, power steering. Uh, I was listening to an interview recently with uh, Robin Franks, and he said, uh, you know, despite his experience in high downforce machinery, is after an hour of driving an IndyCar, he was he was out of puff. Uh, it is amazing how much difference it makes, even uh, two cars with minimal down downforce, something like. Uh, uh, as the heart of racing Aston number 23 goes behind the wall. Now, is that a problem or are they just done for the evening with 23 minutes to go? Even driving something with a relatively minimal downforce like a, a Radical SR3, which doesn't have any power steering, uh, you really feel it in your upper arms and, a, and across the, the top of your chest, hauling the car through faster corners when you've been used, so used to streetcars and... Uh, racing cars I did have to drive a MX-5 which had power steering but um, well it was meant to have power steering but it didn't have any power steering and trying to drive a power steering equipped car when the power steering isn't working is worse than driving a car that doesn't have any power steering as standard a race has broken out as they often do uh, 62 Risi Ferrari <laughs> and number 3 Corvette uh, cars both in GTD Pro the Corvette st- team still running the GT Le Mans car obviously <laughs> but that was a bit of paint trading going through the kink there uh, and that one's not over yet the new 296 with the uh, 3 litre 2.9 6 cylinder engine uh, which it shares with the 499p Tony Garcia and uh, Alessandro Perghidi as if you needed to tell him Jeremy <laughs> Shaw between those two that was fun yeah it was, and it's it? not finished yet either, coming out of the Le Mans chicane. Hey, look, we saw, we saw a fair bit of that last year, particularly in that thrilling finale at Petit Le Mans at the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, what a battle that was between, what, four cars, wasn't it? I think someone from Giuseppe Risi's team has been on the phone to Alessandro oh, Perghidi and been set, told uh, time to back off because the WeatherTech car's just gone through blown I, past it yeah I think I think he's been told to leave that Corvette alone uh, either oh no well he's having another go uh, and we've got an issue at Nick's end of the pit lane and it's a Porsche 963 well there was a problem with it it just didn't it just didn't want to get going on milk float power uh, it, it, let, it, it rather than leaping out of the pits and firing up the engine is what they're supposed to do they go wee, poof, and off they go um, it kind of went, and a couple of engineers came to get it. I thought they were going to rescue it, but somehow, uh, or obviously the, the pressing of a certain button managed to get it onto engine power again. But again, that's that's the hybridization not working properly. A minor point, but they do have to leave the pits on hybrid power every single time. So that's a, what could be a small problem during night practice, could be a major Nick, problem the, during the, the race. They don't have to leave on hybrid power, it's don't not they? mandatory. Well, it should be. Yeah, it's, well, um, Port, there was talk of it had been mandated, then there was talk of it not being mandated and, and having to leave on internal combustion power. I'm, I'm led to believe, actually I should have asked Thomas Loudon about this earlier on, I'm led to believe the Porsche doesn't have, a, or didn't have, a starter motor. And, and 
Well, it started, but it was it was not running at right sorts. Oh, sorry, Jeremy, you're, you're not talking on that. He must have lifted lift the clutch right. well. Sorry. Sorry, Jeremy, go sorry. ahead. Big pardon. So, yeah, they don't have an alternator. They don't have a starter. All they have is the MGU. So if the MGU fails, they got a problem because they can't fire the car up. I think Porsche have retrofitted a more traditional starter motor just in case that happens. Um, I, I, we've seen, Nick, haven't we, in the past at Le Mans, cars that haven't had uh, basically you can't run the car without the hybrid top bottom and, and, and top middle and end uh, with the, the old LMP1 H's very interesting yeah. uh, but, uh, as you say it's, it's not mandated to leave under electric power but, but most of them are planning to that's my understanding uh, there, there is far less uh, stress put on the drivetrain leaving on electric power um, than there is firing an engine up uh, and dropping a clutch and if they could continue to do that then that's good Got a, just had a slow car round the first corner that was the number uh, 91 Kelly Moss Porsche Kelly Moss Porsche the Paget sponsored machine uh, but that has picked up pace again, the two-tone grey machine. Just coming back to the motor, on the starter motor, that'll be fine for firing the car up, but if you've got no alternator, which they don't, you've you've only got 15 to 30 minutes on the battery, and then the car it dies anyway. Mm. So it, it's... Um, but it would get you back to the pits. It, it, if that the engine stalled... Very good point, very uh, good point. But apparently a two a one-and-a-half to two-hour repair, because you've got to take the whole rear of the car off to be able to fit to... Um, uh, change the, the, I the hope uh, I, 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 I think we may see the battle of the mechanics well who have we got weekend. we've got WTR Andretti yeah. big name Penske huge name Rahal Letterman Lanigan yeah. I mean Shank uh, Action Express Chip Ganassi we've got all the, all the big guns are here so if there's anyone who's going to get these cars fixed yeah. it, they've got the best of the best in there what a treat. Into the last 18 minutes of this night session. Best time still to the number seven Porsche Penske Motorsport Porsche 963. 135.802 as Brendan Hartley takes the Cunningham and Alta Acura ARX06 out. And Michael Christensen comes into the pits. One GTP out, one GTP in. Uh, Cadillac number 01 is in the pit lane as well that's the yellow fronted car um, relatively relatively quiet session in terms of uh, issues in in the pit lane we've only um, I, I, I'd, I'd like to find out whether the heart of racing 23 car had a problem or whether they were just good nighting that uh, uh, Nick in fact Nick Damon says they were just going home and also being pushed back is the Arrow-sponsored number 78 Lamborghini. That looks like it's going behind the wall. Shea Adam has news. The 74, which is the Riley LMP3 machine, just went back behind the wall a few minutes ago as well. And we are about to lose the AO Racing Porsche because Harry Tinknell brought that in. And the crew went, you've done a good job today, sweetheart. Let's put you to sleep. Okay. Not to Harry. Not to, to, to Harry. To the car. Harry likes being talked to like that. <laughs> in, in fairness. Thank you, Shea. Shea Adam down in the pit lane. 35-8, Jeremy. You, you said around about 
high 35s, low 36s is what you're being told is the GTP pace out there. And, and what sort of pitch strategy then in terms of, of, of stints? Oh, hang on a second. We've just got somebody going slow. Oh, that's because it's the TGM Aston Martin who's been off the track at the back straight chicane. And that was Ted Giovannis behind the wheel of that car. The evergreen Ted Giovannis. Well, you know, he's bringing, brings, uh, brings two cars, three cars into the, the series yeah. and indulges his passion. He's coming Absolutely. into the pit lane. He's out. And there is a driver change uh, going on. Uh, no changes in GT and GTD GTD and GTD Pro by the way still just two GTD Pros in the top uh, nine uh, of that category but no reason again I'll say this I'm, I'm saying that only uh, giving it information and underlining what we've been saying for a long time Krillzy said something about the, the Bathurst race next weekend which I thought is equally um, equally pertinent here, gentlemen, is that if we get to the last couple of hours of the race here and all the AMs in the GTDs have done their time, which they should have done, effectively we've got GTD Pro drivers in all the GTDs. So it just becomes a race of GTD and GTD Pro. It's just a race, Jeremy, at that point, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> You're already getting excited and we, about that. We went far away from that last year. No, we weren't. Oh, no, it was, it was, all, it was like that. that. It was like that last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And it, uh, this year, uh, it seems to be even more so. Every time we look at, look at the GT cars, wow, um, it's, it's usually a, a green boarded GTD car rather than a GTD red board car. Um, yeah. So, very impressive in, indeed. I think we're, uh, and a lot of our manufacturers up at the top there, McLaren, Mercedes, uh, Lexus, Acura, Aston Martins have been fast all, all weekend. And interesting watching that the Lamborghini Huracans have just been, there's a new Lamborghini Huracan Evo 2 specification, and they're just climbing up the, uh, just climbing up the order slowly but surely um, as the, the sessions progress, and we'll see where they are when they come to the race. But I think they're definitely making progress session by session, it seems. Uh, across the, uh, I think it's five, six Lamborghinis that we have, which is uh, quite an effort from uh, Lamborghini's Quadra course. Yeah, and all new cars, well, all, mm. all Evo 2 cars. The, I think they're all new cars except for number 42 car, which is an updated car from last year, the, from the Evo 1 spec to the Evo 2. But the others are all new cars, I believe. Yes, they are. Yeah, as far as I can see. It's interesting they've incorporated the the um, the sort of sh slight small shark fin that they had on the Super Trofeo cars. We didn't really see as much in the GT3s. There, uh, you now see them on the Evo, uh, Evo 2 car, which is uh, quite cool. Uh, let's go to Nick Damon. Antonio Garcia has uh, pulled the three Corvettes, uh, the sole Corvette, into the pit lane and uh, is out of the car does he have a big smile on his, on his face having had that little scrap with the uh, Alessandro Perghidi Ferrari number 62 the Risi car or does he look angry no he looks pretty happy Antonio it's only uh, night practice but he couldn't help a race breaking out there with the Ferrari yeah I don't know what was going on there uh, he was just out of the pits I was pulling away from him under straights which 
that's what we've been seeing today. And at some point, I got traffic, and he wants to send him in there. So it's like, okay, dude. I mean, we are testing. We are not racing yet. So because of that, I just did. I mean, miss one half a lap. No, I'm also making my point there, but I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we just we just need to focus on on race pace. Uh, back there or out there, everybody's running different kind of fuel loads, tire tire laps, and everything. So every I believe that the better idea is just to everybody does their own thing and don't don't really race each other. I believe, but yeah, uh, that's that's what it is. And yeah, car is doing pretty decent, I think. Uh, this is what we have. We just need to improve what we have and slowly get in the groove and see if we are fast enough or not for Saturday night and Sunday. Big day tomorrow. They're going to uh, launch the actual GT3 Z06. Are you excited for that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to, to be able to test the car since, since the first laps. So, like, I mean, happy to, to unveil it to, to the rest of the people. We've, we've been testing that car already for, for quite a few days already, and it feels great. I mean, I think it's going to be a really quite a fantastic car, and can't wait to get in and to race it. So is, a, so is basically a, a ground-up design GT3 car better than a detuned GTE car, then? I mean, it's, it's just a full GT3 car designed from from zero so it's not like a gtlm car like we have now kind of downgraded to to be level up with with the rest of the field so we knew that that was not ideal in in a few space i mean in a few races or on every single on every single racetrack or part of the racetracks but with the new configuration we will be equal with the rest for sure and yeah i think it's, it's going to be already, I think already it's a good, really good car, so I can't wait to, to get going with it. And this car gets launched next year, or do we see it before the end of this year? I mean, we'll see it tomorrow. And but, but actually racing? No, racing is going to be 2024. Great stuff. Thank you, Antonio. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, there's a car that they've been testing extensively. It's a GT3 car, ground-up GT3 car, the CO6 Corvette, that they've been testing extensively up until now. It'll be revealed tomorrow, and it doesn't get to race till next year because they're going to do a whole heck of a lot more testing. And the GTD cars haven't had a full year of testing. Uh, the GTP cars, excuse me, uh, uh, have not had a full year of, of testing yet. I mean, it's it's interesting the difference in uh, the difference in approach that GM are taking. Now they've they've already got one car in that category, which they've been able to use, of course, the grandfathered uh, GTLM car. Yes, and I think it, you know the way that the kind of cards fell. They, they, that car was just getting into its stride when the when the rules changed, and and, and, and rightly so. And that they, I think it was a great job by Corvette Racing and the uh, the IMSA series to be able to come to a um, a compromise to be able to get the value out of that development. And as An- Antonio has just said, it's a ground up development. Yes, they know the the road car basis it's a c8 corvette but it's a completely new race car from that and that's the costs of that are enormous so i can see why you know 2024 is their target but uh, they never do think by half there do they <laughs> uh, uh, please don't take this that i'm criticizing the current crop or the future crop of gt3 cars but 
we are going to miss the GTE, the GT Le Mans cars. Oh, yeah. And if you can get to a WEC race or to Le Mans this year, as the Tower Motorsport car just goes wide out of the... That's the Western hairpin. McLaughlin again. Scott McLaughlin exploring <laughs> the outer limits, making sure he's not leaving anything on the table. If you can get to one of those and see the um, the runners in AM class, there's no more factory involvement there, much to the chagrin of uh, of Corvette in particular. But uh, we will have Ben Keating running one of those cars in the WEC in the wind's colours. The only current GT Le Mans car that Ben hasn't raced was the BMW uh, and ah, yeah. I, I, I was talking to him the other day and I, I know that car isn't now current but it would be really nice to get Ben in, in one of those cars at some stage but even it, if it was just for a test it, RLL it, are you listening it was and it was that's the thing is it was only a factory program because even the Ford GT of course Ben very bravely took that car to, to Le Mans as a privateer and, and won on the road, yes, he did, yeah, and, uh, and won. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not taking that bait, but uh, but no, no, it, absolutely. You know, you're right. Across the line, and I'll never forget your own coming across the line in the car, weaving away. It was great, but um, yeah, the BMW M8 GT uh, E never made it into private hands at all. So, yeah, you think of the eras. Yes, we're definitely going to miss GTE, GTLM, just like we missed GT1. You know, the Aston Martin DBR9 and. Corvette C5, 6, etc. So, as, as I say, that is no... But no de- look what we have today. No, look I what know. we have now. I mean, I, I mean so we're, talking, cool. yeah. we're talking about the the design language of that Ferrari 296. Absolutely uh, brilliant. Uh, Shea Adam is with Alan Brynjolfsson, uh, who, um, well, thankfully, Shea, has brought us a car that, once again, we won't lose in the darkness. <laughs> yeah, the, the easiest car to see on the track every race weekend. Alan, thank you for bringing the Volt livery to the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. You've just gotten out of the Porsche. First laps at night at Daytona with all these classes. How wide were your eyes? I loved it. I had a ton of fun. Um, first time in the GT3, first time at night, first time without a helmet blower, without a cool suit, no AC, and I was totally comfortable, and I had a blast. I could have stayed in. Were you doing that to try and figure out what it would be like if you were to lose any of those driver comforts? Yeah, exactly. Plus, uh, they kind of get in the way and slow down the driver change, so I was like, if I don't need them, I want to run without them. That is mega. That's a hero effort. Now, when you're out there during the day, it's one thing. Did you feel like it was a completely different track at night? I actually liked it better because uh, it was cooler. I love the cold, so um, it feels like the cars goes a little faster. Um, and I kind of thought it was easier to f- see traffic because either you have headlights or you don't. So, And it changes depending on what color they are, too. That helps you identify the different traffic. Does this mean you think you might do some of your four-and-a-half-hour uh, driver duty during the night shift? I would love to. <laughs> Congratulations on making it to IMSA, and now it's official. IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship driver. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. That was a ton of fun. Yeah, uh, running a Porsche, and uh, the another Porsche actually just missing the back straight chicane and going through the cutout there. It's the MDK car. Okay. The A53 Porsche. Okay. Well, that must have happened just a, a moment or two ago. Hey, Alan Brady Olsen's originally from Iceland, so no wonder he's... Uh, he likes the cold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the dark. <laughs> cold and the dark, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing new for him. 13 hours and 16 minutes from sunset to sunrise on Saturday night. Uh, we don't have full dark here at 
Daytona International Speedway because of the excellent lighting around the circuit, which makes our life a little more easy from the uh, fifth floor. We have great TV pictures courtesy of our hard-working colleagues on the cameras here around the circuit and, of course, the talent up. The real talent in the truck, I was once told, by Jim Roller. And uh, he was uh, not backwards in coming forwards on that and he's, he's been right down through the years and our talent in the truck is up in Charlotte uh, with some excellent support from the technical staff here at the circuit. Our thanks to them for all their hard work over the Raw weekend and so far that allows us to see four, although here we can see pretty much everything, but we still get to see a little more of what is going on around the circuit. Three minutes to go, Jeremy. Your thoughts on this session. Have we seen... What have we seen that has caught your eye? What have you seen that concerns you, perhaps? What's your summation of the last uh, last uh, hour and 45 minutes? Well, of the uh, GTP cars, um, all... The, the, the cars turned least laps is car number uh, 24. That's turned, coincidentally, 24 laps. All of the others have done somewhere between 32 and 52 laps. So that's a pretty good number of laps. Uh, no other cars have, have done more than that. Uh, 52 has been t- lap turned by the 02 car. As I say, that's no, no one's turned more than that. So that bodes well, I think. Still uh, people just turn uh, fastest laps. Are you a team of well, oh, just, just and also in LMP2, Matthew Vazivier has just set the fastest lap in LMP2 for uh, AF Corsa. Number 88 car, 138.416. Uh, which is um, has eclipsed the time set a while ago now uh, by uh, it was Alex Quinn actually who set the fastest time in the PR1 Matheson Motorsports number 52. So very good effort there from the uh, Frenchman Vazivier, and the uh, that the fastest time of the day is a 38.3. That was by Paul Loup Chatat also in that number 52 car earlier on so you know really good lap times here in the dark time so yeah it's been a really fun session also a new fastest gtd time as well about five minutes or so ago by the pro car uh, again a mercedes these mercedes look really fast number 79 car weathertech entry maro engel it was who set the fastest timer a 130 146.011 so a bit more than a tenth of a second quicker than the similar car of Courthoff Motorsports, Michael Grenier. McLaren in third. Uh, Brendan Arib was uh, right on it in the last session, actually, when he was out in the early 15 minutes. He was uh, cracking the times in. Then Carl yeah. Kirkwood for Lexus. Yeah, Mark Fred- Miller Fred- for the Fred- 66 Acura from Gradients. Frederick Schandorf, it was, the, the Danish driver who set the fastest time in that number 70 mm. McLaren a little while ago. Peter, what have you noticed as the chequered flag will come out in half a minute? Uh, well, yeah, it just, there's, there's lots of stories uh, it kind of emerging up and down uh, the timesheets. I mean, there's, there's a few outfits that have cars in the GTD category, which obviously has regulations on what grade of drivers you can have in the car. The GTD Pro, of course, is fill your boots, have, have all, all platinums if you wish. Uh, but, you know, you have Iron Lynx, you have a, a, a group of Lamborghinis. They've got a pro car, but they also have some uh, pro-am cars as well. 
Heart of Racing Aston Martin are one, and of course the Vassar Sutherland Lexus team. I think there's going to be a little bit of underdog spirit for the GTD teams with a balance in their driver lineup to give give their pro uh, their pro brethren uh, a bit of a bloody nose, and and if they can could beat them in the race on 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 merit, what a story that would be! I think we could see stuff like that going on. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Abs so yeah. absolutely right. Shit. Share Adam, uh, a lot of people staying out. We talked about this at the Raw as well. People using every single moment of track time. Checkered flag is out yeah. now. Uh, you know, often we've seen half the field behind the wall halfway through these nighttime sessions. Yeah, and to be perfectly honest, when I was uh, sitting eating my dinner during the beginning part of this session, there were a lot of people who were already using it as driver change practice. So I thought, oh, no, there's not going to be anyone left to interview by the time I get out there. I couldn't have been more wrong. There were tons of teams, and I was on the pit out end for this session. I'd say maybe two-thirds of the teams are still out there. Mm. can't remember the last time and, that happened in a night practice. And still trying hard as well. Jarrett Andretti, quickest... Uh, LMP3 car, that number 36 machine, just running long at turn one a moment or two ago. We didn't get to see Sean Creech Motorsports uh, after that engine change. They uh, haven't come back out from behind the wall. We knew that Faf weren't going to turn uh, a lot of laps. They don't see any point in putting stress on the machinery. Um, we didn't see the Lamborghini either, Jeremy, the Donyount car. Um, Fred Pordard didn't bring the, his Orica out, the number 55. And, of course, we're waiting for a new car for Winwood to arrive uh, after that uh, big incident earlier on, which caused the red flag. Lucas uh, having to be taken to hospital. We'll give you more news uh, on that later on uh, with a new car coming from the Texas base for Winwood uh, Racing. Uh, so what was that, four cars that I mentioned there, I think, that uh, turned few or no laps. Uh, thank you very much for all of your tweets today at IMSA Radio. Been a, this is our longest day, I think, uh, in terms uh, of broadcasting all the way through. And for the track marshals and particularly our camera operators as well, it's been a long shift today. Thank you very much indeed to all of them. Uh, for their hard work also our uh, track services and recovery they have done they have played their part today one or two cars still to finish Nick Damon down in the pit lane has uh, been with us today as well I have um, what if what have you what if, what will you take away from today and particularly from this nighttime session um, I think it's it's interesting you know how niggly the GTPs are um, they all have a lot of niggles. I say, with, with the exception, I haven't seen too many problems from the Cadillacs, but certainly there's been a little bit with the uh, Accuras and a huge amount with the BMWs, and then a, a intermediate amount from the from the Porsches. But you know, you, you know, people just looking and staring at stuff. Now, yeah, that's not uncommon in practice, but the amount of times it's happening is is uncommon. Uh, but it does seem pretty even. You know, we've, got, we've got a Porsche at the top of the, the timesheets now. We've had, we've had, I think, the previous session we had. Uh, an Acura and a previous session to that, we had a Cadillac. So they've, they've, all the, those three manufacturers have topped it. You do feel, however, that in the GTP field that, that BMW are slightly lagging at the moment. doesn't mean anything at the moment, but they're going to have a lot of reliability catch-up to do in the next uh, 36 hours for the start of the race. Joe Bradley was the other voice in the pit lane for us. 
Jeremy Shaw, Peter McKay and me, John Heintoff. Uh, particular thanks to all of our tech staff, um, Bubba Clark and the BSI guys for our uh, pit mics. And, of course, uh, everyone up at Charlotte making sure that uh, we uh, were seeing the pictures. Tim Gray uh, and his staff back in London. Uh, also, thank you very much indeed for you for listening, whether you're here at the track on 107.9 FM or around the world. Leah was our tech up on the uh, board to my right for the PA and the FM. Thank you very much indeed for your hard work today and to the responsible adult uh, without whom we are not allowed to operate. John Heindorf for the whole team saying thank you for being with us at Daytona. Wherever you are in the world, have a good evening or morning, depending on your time zone. If you're here at Daytona, remember, going fast is for professionals. Wherever you're going back to tonight, take your time because we want to see you back here tomorrow. Good night. God bless. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, check imsaradio.com and subscribe to IMSA Radio wherever you get your podcasts.